You're listening to ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. Call 1300 222 774 or text 0437 774 774. Please get in touch. That's Limo here. In for David Astle this week. David's back on Monday. Have you ever wondered why you pay a certain price for things? Why you do a lot of research for some products? You don't do much research for other products? Uh, well, I have a bunch of questions in this area, and I don't have the answers, so I've got a professional in. He's a professor of marketing and consumer behaviour at Deakin University, Paul Harrison. Welcome to the ABC. Thank you very much, Limo. Uh, thanks for coming in. Much appreciated. Before we get to consumer behaviour, okay, because I do my research here, and when I say I do my research, Amber, the producer, does the research and tells me the interesting things. Thanks, Amber. Uh, you were a baritone with the Victorian State Opera. Yes, that was my first career. I was a singer. I was an opera singer. Yeah. Did a fair bit. Uh, now, the, this piques my interest because I attend a lot of sporting events oh, yeah. where the national anthem is often sung. And I like to sing the national anthem. But I get intimidated when someone near me is quite clearly a very, very good singer. So do you belt out the national anthem in your best baritone at sporting events? Kind of, sort of. It's, it's a weird one because I actually go, often go to the footy with a friend of mine who is still a singer. And, right. And he kind of goes hardcore. And um, especially, you know, when, when the team wins, I get pretty hardcore into the yellow and black. So, oh, you're a Richmond fan. Yeah, go Tigers. But, um, so. and, and it's actually quite a good song to sing as a proper singer because it's quite cleverly written and it's based on a song from the 1920s as well. So, you know, right. it's, it's, got, it's a good melody. And I mean, the yellow and black part, I mean, the Richmond song is arguably the pick of the club songs Mm -hmm. across the competition. I actually really like the GWS song as well. A lot of people are suggesting it's the battle of the two best club songs. Right. When I first heard it, it sounded a bit too much like, I don't know, something from the Middle East, something Jewish kind of thing. It's got a, it's got a, well, I felt as though it had an Eastern European vibe to it. This week it made me laugh. Someone put... Uh, Russian army dances. And it would make sense. To, and, it re- and it really does. It does. It, it does make sense. It matches up very nicely. Yeah. Are you going this weekend? I got a ticket today. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Well, if you're going to the grand final, don't look out for him. Listen out for him. During the national <laughs> anthem, you'll hear this glorious baritone from Paul Harrison as the national anthem's happening. Are you going with your mate who's a singer as well? No, he's in Bali. He missed out. He missed out. But you'll yeah. be there. All right. Yeah. Well, enjoy that. It's always a fantastic week when your team's in the grand final. Uh, Now, Paul, you are a consumer behaviour expert. This is your area. In recent years, I've done three things. I got married, Mm -hmm. had a baby. Excellent. And got a dog. Okay. Okay. Those three areas, weddings, babies and pets, I find that consumers just lose their minds and just don't do the proper maths in their heads. And these industries just suck up so much money and they, because of, I I feel like, certainly when you're getting married, you feel like they're just taking you for a ride the whole time. Now, I don't know if they are, but that's what it feels like. Why do people behave differently when it comes to weddings, uh, pets and babies? Sitting underneath it all, it's an emotional time. And so people like to think that they're really rational. And so we've got all different parts of our brain and we've got this front 
prefrontal cortex, this this new brain yeah. that requires a huge amount of effort to fire up. That's the thinking brain. So most of the time when we're in an emotional situation, we, we're driven by our emotions. We still like to kind of you know, reverse engineer and say, this is why I'm buying it because this frontal cortex is telling you, you've got to be a rational person. So these are really rational times. The other thing too, is that humans are really bad at predicting the future. So economists and psychologists call it effective forecasting. So we're really bad at saying, this is what I'll need to get. And we also forget what we've gotten in the past. We emotionally forget it. So when it comes to babies, when it comes to getting married, when it comes to even dogs, we get this emotional response and Mm. we kind of go, okay, I need to do everything I can to kind of feed into that idea of I'm a good, a good partner, a good dad, a a good dog owner. And so it's all emotional. And is it it is part of it that we don't feel like we're experts in the area? So I think, well, I want to give my kid the best possible chance in this world. And the uh, the retailer is telling me how to do that. And I'm totally buying into uh, that offering from the retailer. Marketers are really good at tapping into those vulnerabilities. You know, people might yeah. say they're exploitative, but, you know, in a, all marketing is really about tapping into human vulnerabilities. And so those human instincts that come naturally, you know, to actually want mm. to do the right thing, to think I'm not an expert, so I'll, I'll get as much information as possible, do the right thing. Marketers use these things called nudges, mm, which gently... Yeah. So it's not about convincing us to buy things we don't want. It's just nudging us towards certain things. Things as opposed to other things like not buying it at all. Yeah, yeah. I remember getting married. Just the choices. Yeah. I remember going to the invitations and I had to choose the type of paper that the invitation went choice out. And I bad. just said, look, just whatever. And they said, well, you have to choose. Well, I, said, well, I said, well, what's the difference? And they said, well, yeah, I mean, this is much nicer. This will look better. This one, I mean, you'll save a bit of money with this one, but... Uh. Well, it's, it's quite ridiculous to put rational criteria on something that's very emotional. Like in the end, any of those invitations still would have gotten people yeah. to come to your wedding if they yeah. wanted to. So it wasn't, it's not about that, but they imbue these things with so much emotion and different people have different perspectives as well. Like different people mm. might have liked and other people wouldn't have. If they like you, they'll still come. But that's what marketers do. They tap into that that kind of emotional response. And you get so insecure with the wedding because you want it to be the perfect day. You're so committed to that ideal. Remember the chairs as well. They're asking me to choose what sort of chair. I I want chairs people can sit on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's, that's the end of my requirements when it comes to chairs. Choice, choice is a really interesting area. There was a lot of study done a couple of years ago about this thing called the choice paradox. If you give people too much choice, they mm. actually don't like to choose. And so it's this idea of filtering things down and saying, give me three choices and I'll feel better about choosing from three than from 70 or something like that. I, get, I almost prefer no choice. Yeah. I just want one thing. And a lot of people want that. I love it when I go into a cafe and there's only one type of sandwich left. Okay, great. I don't have to make any decision. I'm just you, eating that sandwich. You don't have to fire up the thinking brain. Totally. So the so interestingly, the look. I was an accountant for ten years, so I'm a I'm a, num- huh. I'm a numbers guy. Yep. The uh, wedding industry in Australia is worth two billion dollars a year. So it's a fairly big industry. The baby industry is worth four billion mm. a year. But interestingly, the pet industry is worth seven billion. So we spend nearly double. On pets. Wow. We do. Then we do on our partner or our, <laughs> or our, <laughs> on our partners or our kids uh, in this country. And the other interesting thing I know is the gift card industry uh-huh. in Australia is worth $2 billion, which, I, of course, for some companies, it's a substantial amount of their revenue. Mm. 
uh, is gift cards. Are we just getting lazy with gift cards? I think gift cards are a really interesting gift because if we kind of think about that choice problem, Mm. I mean, one of the things we know about when people give gifts, they're actually giving a sense of themselves to somebody. You don't give somebody the gift that they want. You're giving them the gift that you want to give to them. Yes. So it's kind of a reflection of who you are onto them. And so I don't know if it's lazy, but it's actually reducing that effort, that cognitive effort required to choose. Mm. But also I think one of the things is that because there's so much choice and because people are a little bit more demanding in their gifts, gift cards seem to be a good you know, lazy person's option in a way. I said, just go cash. Just yeah. give them cash. Then they don't have to go to that particular store that you got the gift card from. But then from. cash doesn't look like I've put any effort oh, into it, you know? Because to, to, to me, that's just a tiny half step away. I'd rather get cash than a gift card. Give them a check. <laughs> go, back, go back 50 years and give them a check. <laughs> Let's survey uh, the people on the SMS, or you can call us one three hundred triple two seven seven four or SMS. 0437-774-774. Would you rather receive a gift card or cash as a present? It can be a birthday present, wedding present, whatever. Which of those two would you prefer? I think too with the gift cards, you can actually choose the person as well. So you might get a particular store gift card and say, yeah. I have thought about it a little bit, but not too much. But, <laughs> but not too much. Uh, so the gift card industry, $2 billion a year. The beauty market's yeah. worth $7 billion a year. I reckon that's the Instagram influencers kind of effect, you know, that, yeah. that, that people and, – and also I think as we become more affluent, we're looking for ways to spend our money. I think, you know, we're not looking for shelter. We don't – most people aren't looking for the next meal. And so where do you spend your money? Some people spend it on their gardens. Other people are spending it on beauty. I think Instagram is a really powerful force. And, mm. you know, I've done a bit of research around how it influences people. And it's not just about telling people to buy things. It's about aspiration and people wanting to be those people or like those people. You want to be – you want to live Kim Kardashian's life. So. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to be Kim Kardashian because, you know, she has problems as well. Yeah. But, but you, you want to have be, the good bits. You want to have the cool bits. Yeah, of exactly. The, of the Kim Kardashian life or whatever the influence – and. It, it's a genuine thing these days, isn't it? The the, the influencer. It's it's quite powerful, and yeah. all the research kind of points towards this idea that people are taking it on themselves to feel like they have to live up to that. And so, you know, even people who would never in the past have thought I need to create a profile are putting themselves out there and saying I need to have followers, and it creates a lot of anxiety for people as well. How, how many followers do you need to be an influencer? I'm just wondering if I'm in the if yeah. I'm in the market. I reckon you're an influencer, <laughs> but maybe not for beauty, right? Kind <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> Definitely not for beauty. Pro- and I'm not taking that personally at all. Yep, okay. I've got a mirror. I get what this head <laughs> represents. It's, and I'm not selling beauty products. But I reckon, you know, you're probably an influencer but in a different way. Right. You know, people trust you. Just listening okay. to all those people calling in just saying, you know, you're their mate. So, oh, Well, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. You, yeah. can, you can trust me. Yeah, trust let, me. Let, now let me sell you something. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, I want to ask you a few more questions. Can you explain a behaviour that I exhibit on a regular basis? So I will go on to a website. Mm-hmm. I'll do some shopping online. Yep. I'll click this product. I'll click that product. Uh, let's add the clothing website. I'll get a couple of T-shirts. I'll go a pair of pants there, maybe a jacket there or whatever. And then I'll load up the basket mm-hmm. and then I'll get to the end and I'll look at the basket and I'll go, oh, nah. And then I'll just go – Then I've spent half an hour shopping. Close the tab. And then I just go, no, nah, I close the tab. Yeah. I would do that – 10 times for every one time I actually buy something. But that's enough, you see. And I think that's the thing is that the whole the whole business model of online um, marketing is about getting at least one person to buy every 100 clicks or something like that. Mm. But you're not 
you're not on your own there, large numbers of people. And so the whole idea behind design of websites now, and websites are doing this all the time, constant experiments, is to get people from the beginning of the shopping process to the putting in their details of either their credit card or their PayPal or their pay later yeah. as quickly as possible so you don't have time. And I reckon Instagram is really good at that because it actually keeps you within that environment so you can't leave it until you've actually bought the product. And every time I fill the shopping basket and say no, I'm not really escaping, am I? They're learning something They're about learning me. something. And, uh. and, you know, one of the really interesting things that we get told by a lot of these online businesses is that they're conducting the kind of experiments that in the olden days academics would have to get ethics approval for and go through all these processes. They're testing even banners and colours and things like that, what has an effect, what has get people, get, you know, people leaving, mm. all sorts of things like that. So it's... It's incredibly sophisticated and so, they're gathering data about you all the time. So without realising, I'm actually taking part in a consumer survey. Always. Oh, oh, it's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, and but you can't, I mean, you can't exist in the world without being online for the most part. Although, you know, That's, I heard the other day that there's something like 1.1 million Australians who aren't online. So, really? you know, safe. Yeah, that's nice. Good for them. Good what for a joy. Them. I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh, on the SMS, we've asked the question, would you prefer cash or a gift card? Cash all day long. Uh, three words here, Visa gift card, okay. Uh, gift card, someone here says, I'll use cash to pay bills. Gift card means I get to buy something oh, at a store that I love, says Sarah. Yeah, I get it. Um, there, uh, so, hi team, uh, cash, of course. Think about the impact of all those plastic cards polluting the world. Okay, good point, Sue. Um, what about, Paul says, what about shells, glass beads, mirrors, shiny things? Okay, <laughs> thank you, Paul. Uh, what would you prefer, cash or a gift card? Uh, you're listening to ABC Radio Melbourne and right across Victoria. Limo here for your evening, chatting with Paul Harrison. This Friday on ABC Radio, join Limo, Emma Race and the Grandstand AFL team from midday as they bring you all the action from the AFL Grand Final Parade. What a moment this is! Hear from the players, the coaches and the fans ahead of Saturday's huge clash between Richmond and Greater Western Sydney. Then from four, we head into the heart of Tigerland with a special footy edition of Drive with Raph Epstein live at the Corner Hotel in Richmond. ABC Radio Melbourne, because Grand Final footy is what we do. You're listening to ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. Limo here for your evening, chatting with Dr. Paul Harrison. I just introduced you as Paul Harrison earlier. That's I left, cool. the, I That's left the doctor off. That's right. No worries. You've got to include the doctor. Okay. Do you put when you book airline tickets? Do you put doctor? Yeah. yeah, yeah it took yeah. a while to get the PhD. So you know, sometimes I think, oh well. At a hotel, you, if you want to get an upgrade, put the doctor no, in there. It doesn't happen. It doesn't, it happen. doesn't happen. Oh no, no. They often ask me if I'm a medical doctor and go, no, and they go, well, oh, what snobs? Yeah, exactly. So you, you're a doctor, whichever way you slice it or dice it, uh, and a professor of marketing and consumer behaviour at Deakin University. And you're explaining thing, you're explaining me to me tonight, and I appreciate that. I think some other people are connecting to it as well. Vivian in Murrumbina says, oh, my God, Liam, I do that all the time. <laughs> and then I get the email reminding me of my cart. I get that too, Vivian. But you also get a discount. So that's a, oh. an, another nudge. So what they're doing is that they know that you're interested, but the discount might be enough to get you over the line, and that's what they're trying to do. Oh, they, get, they get you one way or the other, mm -hmm. don't they? It requires a lot of effort to kind of resist it. Explain this to me, please, Dr. Paul Harrison. Mm -hmm. When I buy wine, uh, I won't pay less than $15. I won't pay more than 30 I know nothing about wine. 
and I choose wine based on the price and the label. And lots of people use price as a proxy. Yeah, so, and I just I just assume that a twenty three dollar wine is better than a twenty dollar wine. Yeah, and uh, who. Who knows? And and you're an accountant, so <laughs> I, I think you know this is the thing is that you've always been drawn towards these rational things. So you kind yeah. of assume that it's a better quality. There's quite a lot of studies that show that people use price as a proxy for quality, mm. um, because you can't test this. You can't go in and say I'm going to have a drink of this wine and this wine and this wine and decide which one I like. Labels are also, I mean, we call them heuristics or shortcuts. You know, and they're mental shortcuts. So we use price, we use brand, we use labels as mental shortcut. We even might even use packaging and that's why you'll often see bottles yeah. of wine in really interesting packaging or they'll put it in a box and suddenly it becomes really expensive if you put it in a box. Right. Oh, yes. You know, a wooden box that someone's knocked up, there's an extra $15 on top of the wine that you're buying. So, you're not, again, you're a human. I'm not alone. You're not alone. And I'm drawn to a good label. There's a label, I think it's Women Who Hunt Their Lunch. Oh, yeah, I've so, seen that one. That's a nice one. It's a cool label. I'm yeah. just I'm immediately drawn to it. There's a, there's a bottle of wine that I'm always drawn to, which looks like one of those kind of Southern American whiskey drinking wines. It's a big shape. I think it's called something Wombat or something like that. Yeah. And, and it's red wine, but I just think I want to drink this because it looks good. And <laughs> It get, they get us, don't they? There was one I, I bought just last week and it had a bottle top like a beer bottle would. So you uh, need a bottle opener to take it off. A bottle of wine. Oh. And, and there was something about that that yeah. I just thought was really cool. Well, there's the novelty and the uniqueness. So Again, that's, that's joint. And, you're, you're, and it's good to turn up with a nice bottle mm. of wine to kind of that people might go, that's a beautiful oh, that's, label. It's oh, interesting. You're classy. There's actually yeah. some really interesting <laughs> research that was done on how people buy wine. Um, and one of the things that they found was that when you play classical music, in the wine shop, mm. people tend to buy not more wine but more expensive bottles of wine than if they're playing paying top forty. I think the classical music had a oh. had a, an uplift of about twenty five to fifty percent on what people were willing to spend on a bottle of wine if you were playing classical music. Uh, interesting. And, and they didn't know that they were being tested. I think that's the other thing. Is that, so. It's like the uh, you know they say baking bread when you've got an open inspection at that's your right. house to put exactly. people in a good in mood. mood. Uh, Amber's telling me that. Uh, there is a, a suggestion that some people uh, will buy the second cheapest wine on the menu. In fact, often it's the most ordered. Yeah. That, so there's there's this rule of kind of behaviour, which is that we tend to go for the middle choice. So we go look at the thing that's at the top, the thing at the bottom, yeah. and then we go, I'm not going to risk it by going for the worst <laughs> thing, and I'm not going to risk it by going for the most expensive thing, so I'll go for the middle option. Uh, yeah, that's one I do as well. There's another interesting one is that um, people are very influenced by the people they're sitting with. So often in terms of pricing, if you're sitting oh, at a restaurant yes. table, people will go, okay, so that person's ordering an entree, so I'll, I can order an entree. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other things going on, yeah. but we're incredibly social animals. And so in a way we're kind of saying, well, this is what the group is doing, so I don't want to go outside of the group too much. And so, you know, we, mm. we, we like to think we're in control of our behaviour all the time, but we're not, we're not really. And that's fine, you know. I always say, look out for the look out for the person who, when the waiter comes over with the wine list, the person who goes, "Yep, I'll oh, take no. that," and you go, "Oh God, here we go. We're about to get a lecture on wine mm. from this person over here. Is about to order a two hundred dollar bottle of wine, and then make us all pay, make for us it. all share the cost. Exactly. Uh, one more for you before I let you go. Sure. Uh, my pet hate is going to a service station, filling up the car, going inside, and then being upsold oh. on about thirty seven different products by the person behind the counter. They say, let's say I get a water. They say, well, you know, you can get another one of those. It's only another dollar. 
Uh, for two, you know, I just I don't. I just want one. All right, what about some chocolates? I, now I don't want any chocolate. Do you want some? Gu- no, I don't, mate. I don't want anything. I just want to pay for my petrol mm. and get out of here. It works, and it's it works enough to nudge enough people to be worth the effort. It doesn't actually mm. require a huge effort for the boss of the service station to say, "Can you upsell these things?" Um, but it does work because it's a gentle nudge. And if you're already in the mood, if you're already picked up a chocolate and they mm. say pay another dollar for the same chocolate, then you're more likely to say, say yes, I will, because you've already emotionally engaged with the idea of buying the mm. chocolate. But if you go in and you're saying, I just want to buy petrol, it's not going to work. It's not going to be as effective. I swear sometimes in a service station, I feel like 90% of the products are loaded onto the bench. You've got no room. <laughs> you've got to peek between two chocolate yeah. bars to see the bloke working behind the counter. Exactly. Um, last bit of uh, consumer behaviour. Uh, how much will people be paying for grand final tickets this weekend uh, <laughs> if, it's, if well, it's a sellout? Which, is... which, of course, we don't condone and no one should be paying more than the uh, the, the price on the ticket, the ticket price. for that grand final tickets. That whole scarcity effect. We think, you know, that this yeah. will be the last chance. I, I know that every, that was what got me, you know, like it was like this may be the last time I get to see the Tigers play in a grand final. Mm. Who knows? You yeah. don't know. You well, know? You, you don't know you at don't all. You don't know. It's, it's such a lottery. Uh, it really is. So, uh, of course, you're tipping the Tigers. What's the margin going to be this weekend? I reckon about 17. Seven. I, don't, I don't reckon it's going to be as much of a walkover as everybody seems to think. No, I don't think it will be. And a Norm Smith medalist? I'd like to see Basher Hawley. Yeah, well, he was very close to being Norm in Smith medalist in 2017. And he's been playing some very good footy. He's so. a top bloke as well. So There's a lot to love about Basher Hawley. There is. There There's is. no question about that. Yeah. Um, Dr. Paul Harrison, Senior Lecturer and the Unit Chair of Consumer Behaviour in the Department of Marketing the Deakin Business School. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. It's a pleasure, Lemo. Uh, and explaining me to me uh, <laughs> this evening on the ABC. Uh, Lemo here for your evening. In for David Astle. He'll be back next Monday. This is ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. Coming up after the news.